Welcome to the Mass Bar Beat Podcast, the official podcast of the Massachusetts Bar Association. Available free to members of the bar as well as the public, featuring lively discussions about important legal developments, interesting stories about NBA members, and helpful practical information about the law that matters to all of us. I'm your host, Jordan Rich, and today's guest is Jonathan Williams, appointed as the second court administrator of the Massachusetts Trial Court by the Supreme Judicial Court back in May of 2017. He partners with the Chief Justice of the Trial Court in the oversight of 6,300 court staff and 100 court facilities. John served for four years as Senior Deputy Director in the North Carolina Administrative Office of Courts, where he supervised operations for the judicial branch, including technology, finance, and general services. John has spent several years in public service and for eight years was a civil litigator in private practice. He's here to talk with me today about the state of the court system and more improvements and updates we can all expect in the near future. John, thank you for doing this, and thank you for doing it from your location. Why don't we describe how this podcast is being recorded? Can you tell us? Sure, Jordan. Uh, We are sitting in the executive office of the trial courts in our uh, conference room where we have uh, technology installed for uh, this kind of conference calling. We've got video capability, uh, microphones, inset speakers and the ceiling tiles, all of which was just installed um, in the past few months since I arrived. Um, I wasn't smart enough to order it. Um, (laughs) That was already in the works before I got here, but it's part of the overall commitment that we have to use uh, video technology and other technology to eliminate the restrictions of distance and time Hmm. from people getting together for important meetings or hearings. Well, we'll talk more about that as we move along here through the podcast, but I did want to welcome you officially to the New England area, and people might detect a slight bit of a southern accent, a very nice drawl, very, very slight. Of course, up here we have no accents, John. So let me ask you you to tell our our listeners, if they don't know you yet, where you hail from. Well, I do come from south of Boston, uh, North Carolina, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you just... Head on down I-95 for several hours and turn right, you would get to Raleigh, North Carolina. (laughs) Well, we're very happy to have you up here in a very interesting role, the new court administrator, and you're only the second person to do this job. So for those who are just tuning in and may not have a a clear concept as to what it is the court administrator does, give us a brief job description, if you would, John. Sure. The Massachusetts trial courts um, occupy more than 100 courthouses across the state, uh, 6,300 employees, And as court administrator, I'm responsible for the administrative side of that that includes finances, technology, uh, personnel, all the usual kinds of administrative activities that support a large institution like this. Massachusetts has a unique governance structure in that I share my responsibilities with Chief Justice of the Trial Courts, Paula Carey. Um, And... On one end of the spectrum, she works on issues of judicial policy and works with the presiding justices, the chief justices of the seven trial court departments. I work on the administrative end at the other end of the spectrum. And still, the great bulk of things we work on together meet in the middle because it's hard to make policy without Mm. the administrative backing to carry it um, into action in the real world. I was going to say that's uh, very important, that relationship, because these are the people who are hands-on every day, and they know what the issues are and what the challenges are. So that's very important. That's exactly right. And we've established a great working relationship um, here in my first six months. 
Can you talk a little bit about what people outside of the Bay State had thought about the Massachusetts court system and trial system in the professional sense? What what has been the reputation that you're inheriting here? Well, Massachusetts trial courts have always had a sterling reputation for the quality of judicial decision making. I think the commitment to merit selection of judges um, has borne fruit for generations here. And more recently, there are certainly a lot of innovations going on in the Massachusetts trial courts, not least of which has been the commitment to um, helping self-represented litigants and providing better access to justice, whether it's from language access resources to um, uh, providing access to the uh, poor. We've got an, an initiative going on right now that's just beginning to uh, improve the plain English usage and simplify our forms language. Uh, Massachusetts was recognized last year um, as the second highest uh, jurisdiction for access to justice resources. Um, And a standout feature of that is our court service centers uh, that are located in six of our busiest courthouses. And of course, many of your members in the Massachusetts bar, I'm sure take advantage of our law libraries across the state which in themselves are a real uh, gem of a resource to the public and to the bar. Well, one of the goals I'm sure you have is to not only keep this machine running and improving it, but letting the public know, because much of the media coverage about the court system is the overbearing amount of cases and, of course, the issues with infrastructure. So those are two things that are still important, but you're painting a somewhat more efficient picture so far. We only get one side of the story most of the time. We have been working incredibly hard over the last several years in Massachusetts on increasing the efficiency of justice. Um, And it's actually uh, represented quite well in the mission statement that was adopted with the first strategic plan a few years ago, which is a mission of justice with dignity and speed. A very short and pithy mission statement that really captures in three critical words the three critical things we must have, speed being among them. We're in the business of dispute resolution when there are conflicts in the community, and the faster we can reach a just result, the better the community is served overall. Again, we're talking with John Williams, the new court administrator, and we're talking with him directly from the court building where he has a conference center and all the latest technology. And that brings me to the technology question. We sort of generally introduced some of the uh, the ideas. What are some of the top priority issues for you, John? Well, I've really arrived at the perfect time because the Massachusetts courts made a commitment several years ago to the big mass courts project which, like all big court technology projects, and maybe most big government projects, probably took a little longer and cost a little bit more than than people thought it would when they started. But two huge strategic decisions were made. Number one was to get out of the business of trying to build our own technology and keep um, a state-of-the-art staff in place that would only work on Massachusetts court technology. We chose to work with an outside vendor who does court technology for many, many jurisdictions around the country and have them customize their underlying platform for our needs. That process really was only completed about 18 or 20 months ago uh, in terms of putting all seven of our trial court departments onto the mass courts platform. The other big strategic decision was to shut down all of the old technology. Mm. Technology's history in the Massachusetts courts goes back to the 1970s and 
doing data processing for statistics and a program was written here and a program was written there and so on and it just grew and grew and grew. To get out of that business of maintaining all that old technology, all the data had to be extracted and moved forward into our modern technology platform. That is done and now is when the fun stuff comes. <laughs> We've got an e-filing uh, portal up and in place. We've filed more than a thousand new cases here on the civil side uh, this year. That is growing quickly. And many people don't know that we are even deeper into electronic filing of criminal complaints, electronic applications for criminal complaints. We've done far more than 20,000 of those already this calendar year. It makes life easier for the police departments. It mm. simplifies work at the courthouse. That will continue to grow and grow and grow. If you wanted to think about this in kind of grand conceptual terms, we want to acquire data necessary for court business electronically, and we want to distribute the data for the public to interact with the courts electronically. So you can file and initiate a case, Everybody who's working with that case can see it electronically. Lawyers can access it through the portal. Um, parties can be served with motions and other pleadings along the way. It will be worked with electronically in the courtroom. And when decisions are made, they can be instantaneously transmitted to all the parties that uh, need to have notice of those decisions. And of course, with a final record, that's electronically available, showing the history and lifespan of that case. Certainly easier for people in your purview, but also for the public, too. There's a lot that can be garnered through the computer age that is so much easier, cuts through the red tape. Now, the other big issue that I raised, of course, is infrastructure, and this is something that you're inheriting, and it's nothing new, and the fact that so many court buildings need repair. I think it's somewhere in an interview with Lawyers Weekly, you talked about a $2 billion price tag in deferred maintenance. Point to, if you will, uh, the capital plan plan that you mentioned about Quincy District Court Building as one you visited. Maybe you can give that as an example. What might be in store for something like that? Sure. Um, our capital plan is actually before the um, House uh, Bond Committee right now, the first installment of it. The trial courts worked very closely with uh, DCAM, the um, uh, executive branch agency that manages uh, all the capital assets of the Commonwealth, uh, beginning a few years ago, and really took a deep dive and studied all of our court facilities, almost like looking at a giant university campus, except one that's the size of the entire state, and rated everything from the you know, sprinkler systems to the uh, uh, accessibility under ADA guidelines to the volume of work that happened in the courthouse and whether there were sufficient courtrooms to support it or the readiness of uh, the facilities to adopt new technology. and put all this together, we did find $2 billion in deferred maintenance that uh, had accumulated over the years and identified another billion dollars of new capital projects that we want to pursue. Quincy is part of the new capital projects in that it is part of a regional consolidation in Norfolk County of, I believe it's four different courthouses, which will be housed in a single court building, mm. um, much like you might find at the Ruane Center um, or uh, Greenfield is the newest of our regional justice centers. And on Law Day, my first week in May, the first courthouse I visited was Quincy. Now, for anyone of your listeners who've been to Quincy, 
You know, it's a serviceable building. You look at it from the outside, it's, it's nicely maintained. When you walk in and get a feel for the volume of traffic that goes through that building, the uh, lack of uh, elevator access, the fact that the juvenile courtroom is in the basement, steps away from the lockup, uh, the noise level that occurs in the um, general public areas that are surrounded by the courtrooms means that every time the courtroom door is open just about, it disrupts the proceedings mm -hmm. inside. Mm -hmm. uh, you realize that the community deserves a much more dignified uh, and fitting space to dispatch the public's business in the court system mm -hmm. there. Um, so that is the part of our first installment. Um, uh, we feel like we're, we're communicating well with uh, the executive branch and the legislative branch uh, about our needs and they are both supportive so we are very optimistic to move forward on that promptly. Right now, uh, for uh, those of your members who are up in the Lowell area, we are far along in the new Lowell Regional Justice Center. The, the steel frame is up, the concrete's being poured. That is going to be a spectacular facility that uh, uh, brings together several old buildings and their functions in one place that'll be state-of-the-art um, and serve the needs in that part of the Commonwealth. Well, consolidation then is a word we'll be we'll be hearing a lot of. And one of the connections to the technology and to going more paperless is you have a little bit more space for other things, which is which is certainly good. Can we talk a little bit further about one other issue you raised at the beginning, the unrepresented litigants, those who are falling into the cracks and not perhaps able to take advantage of what the justice system should offer. Talk a little bit, if you will, about how you hope to bridge that gap. Well, it is a real challenge. I think the assumption in the way we've all practiced law and the, the legal system that we've inherited is that the parties would be represented by counsel. And the counsel are knowledgeable in the law. They'll counsel their clients about what their rights are, and they'll organize the presentation of evidence and arguments to the judge. The judge can immediately focus on resolving those and render a decision or instruct a jury on the jury's duties uh, in finding the facts. When you have a self-represented litigant, they, they, they have an issue, they've identified generally what that issue is, but they don't know how to organize that evidence and present it. They don't know um, the statutes or the common law principles that would apply to present that in a, a reasonable way. One of the great things that is in place now are the court service centers that I've described. In those court service centers, we actually have attorneys working as well as volunteer attorneys from the community and a person going in looking for information on their case, they do sign um, uh, an acknowledgement that they're not going to be receiving legal advice, but they will be receiving guidance in finding the correct information that apply to the issues that they're trying to address. And they are busy places. Not only do they have the support of staff, but we have terminals there, um, as well as the law library, so that they can access further resources. Mm -hmm. We can help them get the appropriate forms that already exist in the courthouse that uh, will allow them to present their claim appropriately, and it really reduces the anxiety, gives people confidence, and the ability to make better use of their time. I mentioned also that we're working on uh, just the beginnings of uh, kind of that plain English movement that many jurisdictions have gone through to simplify forms and to make them more accessible to an ordinary reader that doesn't have a legal um, education. Um, that is something that we hope will help. 
And in addition, we want to use technology um, in ways that will reduce some of the pressure on the traffic in the courthouses. Um, we talked about e-filing, we talked about uh, filing criminal complaints electronically. We're also turning on the capability for online payments so that um, individuals can uh, make a payment, uh, whether it's a probation matter, restitution, uh, as long as they've got their docket number, they can go online, find out exactly what's owed at that time, and make that payment through a credit card. We are just now completing a, a recent survey of our users out in the courts, and a, a surprising uh, number of people, or maybe not so surprising, have to either take time off work in order to be there, forfeiting income, or they have to arrange for care for a family member in order to leave and come in to conduct their business at the courthouse. To the extent that we can use technology to help people access the court system, we will simplify the cost of, of engaging with the court system and free up more time for the personnel who are in the courthouse to help members of the public, including mm. self-represented litigants, uh, with more care, more attention, more time to help them get the answers they need. Well, it sounds as though you've been on a listening campaign since you arrived in the spring, and it's paying off because you're gleaning from the interviews and the feedback what some people are really dealing with on a regular basis, real people, and you're coming up with, with answers to fit their needs. Let me switch gears just before we wrap up here and ask you about organizations such as the one we're, we're broadcasting from and to, the Massachusetts Bar Association, how lawyers in such an association can assist you in assist the courts to make everything run a little bit smoother. What can the attorneys listening do? Well, thank you for asking. I, I take great pride in the fact that I was a practicing attorney, practiced for several years, um, and like to feel that I've got a client's eye view of the judicial system. The role that attorneys play in the judicial system is absolutely the backbone of uh, transacting most business before the courts. Um, when I arrived, uh, Jeff Catalano was one of the per first people who uh, greeted me. Um, I was pleased to get to attend the swearing-in of Chris Sullivan um, as the current president of the NBA, and Marty Healy has made it absolutely clear that, that he stands by to uh, provide any assistance or guidance that I might feel like I need at any time. The members of the bar, please stay engaged. Um, talk to the members uh, that represent you in the State House, the State Senate. Um, let them know that the judicial system is alive and well, that we're uh, doing good work every day, but we do have a few needs uh, that uh, need to be addressed. We've got great working relationships over there, but from their perspective, we're one of many, many kinds of uh, segments of the public that need attention. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is the administration of justice is probably the primary duty of government. And we need to take pride in the stewardship that we have as court officials and as attorneys in maintaining that system of uh, justice. So, John, you'll be making your state of the judiciary address. And a perfect way to sort of wrap up here is to, to give us a little tease or a little promo. What some of the highlights in that address would be, the, the key points you'd like to make to the legal community, which in turn will filter down to the public. Well, of course, Chief Justice Ralph Gantz will uh, be delivering the, the, the real headline of the uh, State of the Judiciary Address, and 
expect him to set a high bar in, in expectations and values and initiatives uh, that we are aspiring to uh, in the Commonwealth. Chief Justice Paula Carey will uh, dig down a little deeper and as court administrator, I'll be talking about a lot of the same issues that I've spoken about today. So expect to hear more about the user experience as people encounter their court system, how we are working to uh, develop our workforce and support our workforce and recruit uh, talented people into working for the justice system, the future of our capital plan and how that's progressing and the role of technology and how that will grow uh, ever more as we move forward in the modern delivery of justice. Well, we want to thank you for taking a little time from the courthouse, the John Adams Courthouse, to talk with us directly. And we want to welcome you officially to Boston. Do you, uh, do you have any allegiance to sports teams outside of New England, or are you willing to come over to the good side? Well, I'm absolutely uh, available to come over to the good side in, in pro sports, but uh, my, my college allegiances are already spoken for. I'm a University of North Carolina uh, at Chapel Hill graduate twice over, undergraduate <laughs> and law school. Go Heels. Well, there's no reason to ever be disloyal, and I think we appreciate that in our administrators. <laughs> as long as you learn to bleed Red Sox red, we'll be very, very happy. John, thank you so much for the time and for the opportunity to inform our listeners both at the bar and in the public. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jordan. John S. Williams, the new court administrator of the Massachusetts Trial Court, has been our guest. You've been listening to the Mass Bar B podcast, available for free at massbar.org and downloadable on most popular podcast platforms, including iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, and more. If you're a consumer and need legal assistance, contact the Mass Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service. Call 866-627-7577. Again, that's 866-627-7577. Or visit masslawhelp.com. Let us connect you to a lawyer today. Mass Bar Beat is produced by the Massachusetts Bar Association. We invite you to subscribe so you'll never miss a beat. I'm Jordan Rich. Thank you for listening.